Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 891 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is interesting. It begins with Ashton, who is a type 1, experiencing a low blood sugar. So we sort of just chit-chat through her low until the show kind of starts off properly. It takes us a little bit of time to get to why she's here today, but once we get to it, my goodness, what a story. Today's guest is here because she believes that people in her extended family, their troubles and turmoil are causing her problems with her blood sugar. Uh, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but very specifically, there seems to be a lot of drinking and drug use in her extended family. And um, anyway, I think we get to something after a while, which is why the title is After Dark Survivor's Guilt and not After Dark Cocaine Use. So you really got to listen to this one unfold. It's something else. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored today by Dexcom. Now, Dexcom makes the G6 and G7, brand new G7, continuous glucose monitoring system. Arden has tried the G7. We've ordered it, and it's arrived, waiting for her in a little box right there at college for her to use up her last two G6 sensors before she switches over. And she's very excited. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Check them out at my link. When you do... You're supporting the podcast. Boy, right now, but you're fine. Um, do you want me to stop? Oh. I can stop the recording till you feel better, if you like. Oh no, I'll be okay. Okay. Well, we'll I just... just I just started to go down. So okay. Where do you um? Where did you? Where do you uh? Do you, well? I guess do you have a CGM? How did you know you were getting low? I have the Freestyle Libre too. Okay. So did you like and... scan it before you started? You're like, or did you feel low? I started to feel low and I scanned it and I was 4.2 going straight down. So gotcha. Where do you start to feel your lows? I actually start to feel them around four and a half, four and a half. like 4.5. Okay. Um, I'm going <laughs> to just realizing I should probably translate those. Uh, oh yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. I'm, no, no. I'm so, in Canada. No, no, it's fine. So 4.5 is an 81. And you feel low there, or you, or do you think you were, yeah. or do you think you were dropping? I I'm dropping pretty good. I didn't eat very much for breakfast, mm -hmm. as it, like of it that I thought I was gonna eat, and um, my daughter had to go outside and play for a little bit first, so we went outside, and of course, I wasn't even thinking and didn't have enough. Uh, food for breakfast and then we went outside and played and I came in and I was like whoa <laughs> this is happening faster than I thought it was right so well yeah yeah well we'll we'll just take we're not going to start until you're feeling better um so you think you had you bolused for a meal 
didn't need as much as you thought, and then had activity that you weren't counting on. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. Because no. my daughter, she she's uh, she want or she's nineteen months now, so oh. she'll bring us first thing in the morning every morning. She brings me or her dad her shoes and outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, but now, if would you? How long ago did you drink this juice? I just finished it. So, can you play a game and scan again and tell me where you're at? Yeah. Um, here. Oh, of course. My reading is right. I'm using my phone right now. My reading, of course, is right in the way of. Okay. I'm coming up. I'm 4.5 now. Now, do you feel low still? Yes, I still feel pretty low. What are your average blood sugars during the day? Oh, gosh. I had them really good until I had my daughter. And since then, it has been a complete roller coaster. It's bouncing up and down? Yeah. Um, Do these lows feel different than they did when you were pregnant? Yes, definitely. Um, When I was pregnant, I actually didn't feel the lows quite so severely. Is that because you weren't bouncing around as much, do you think? I think so. I Pregnancy was lovely. I hardly felt like I was diabetic because didn't like I was level pretty much the whole way until near the end. Then my insulin needs shot right up. Okay. But. Yeah, they were pretty steady throughout pregnancy. Right. Huh? And before, for a couple years before pregnancy, my A1C was 6.5. So around 6.5. Yeah. It didn't get any higher than 6.8. How do you come up? How do you come to that number? Is it, do you have like, I guess my question is, do you have a lot of stability around 120? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> Around uh, 120 uh, is, I think, eight. Yeah, so so 120 is like a, oh, it's six point six. Points, it's like a six point seven for you. It's an A one. Yeah. Then that'd be an A one C of about five point eight. So let's go to like 145, which would be about a six seven or an eight point one. Is do you yeah like, have a ton of stability there, or are you high and then low and high and then low all day? I'm right now high and low all day. How and about, how about before being of, pregnant? Before being pregnant, I was steady. Like I would, you know, shoot up a little bit, mm-hmm. but I could get it back down and stabilize it. And I would only, I don't know, once, twice a week is where I would shoot up and but it always came down nice and easy. Mm-hmm. But it seems like with all the stress going on and everything, I shoot straight up. I take a little bit of insulin and then, you know, something happens with my daughter or, you know, I just get busy with life and I don't eat or I'll forget to take insulin or I'm just kind of riding the roller coaster. I've been talking with my endocrinologist and my diabetic educator lately. Okay. And we're trying to 
make a plan. Like my educator told me like, well, why don't you wear a fanny pack and have your insulin on you all the time? And I've been trying that, but I'm still having complete highs and lows lately. So do you use, um, are you injecting your insulin or do you have a pump? I inject right now. Um, I've always been MDMI, MDI, sorry. No, you're fine. I, I've been diabetic for 17 years. Okay. How almost old? 18. And I've been MDM, MDI the whole time. How old are you? I am 27. I'll be 28 in January. So you were like around nine years old when you were diagnosed? I was, it was actually a month after my 10th birthday. 10th birthday. Oh, that I was diagnosed. Okay. Um, do you, ooh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, this isn't even what we're talking about, and uh, I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to chat with you until you're until you feel like you're nice and stable. Um, yeah. So there's a disconnect between having the insulin with you when you need it, and and that causes some of the highs that then maybe later cause lows. Yeah, I'm thinking so, like, getting my daughter ready to eat her supper, and then I'll sit down, eat supper, and I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? I need to go take insulin. And so my timing of my insulin is way off right now. And that's where the bouncing around is coming from. I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. I mean, at least you know what's happening, and then I guess it's about (laughs) correcting the yeah, it's yeah. Ki- it's kind of a me problem at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, right? Like you have to like starting a new habit or so so what happened when you were pregnant? You just didn't have a lot of insulin need or you were just very focused on it? Um, well, I was very focused on it, but I honestly didn't have a lot of insulin needs until my third trimester. Okay. I like I could take two units for a plate of spaghetti in the beginning of my pregnancy. And that's actually how I found out I was pregnant was I could not keep my blood sugars up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, So you didn't need to spend the money on the pregnancy test then. That's great. (laughs) No, uh, my endocrinologist, we were trying to figure out why I kept going into these lows and she was going to, do adrenal testing on me mm-hmm. she was thinking maybe i had adrenal insufficiency or something and then she called me the one day she's like i never thought could you possibly be pregnant and i thought about it and i was like you know what i could probably be <laughs> and yeah so we found out when i was eight weeks pregnant that oh no kidding uh first baby yes yeah. my first one oh, congratulations we weren't planning but we weren't preventing either (laughs) yeah that that, that's so that's about how that goes i think a lot of the time yeah uh just tell me if you feel okay and we'll start although yeah i'm feeling a lot better a lot better are you okay for keeping this bit of the conversation in the final show or would you prefer yeah yeah sure oh cool all right well and um i mean I feel like people know you a little bit, but go ahead, introduce yourself very quickly. Usually I would tell you before we start recording, you don't need to use your last name and, um, you know, just, and and you already told, told us a lot about yourself. So I guess just tell me your name and then we'll keep talking. 
Okay, if my name's Ashton, I'm from Northwest Alberta, Canada. Ashton. Um, I think. That's it? Northwest? Yeah, yeah. You, already, you already said how long you've had diabetes and when you were diagnosed and everything. So Alberta. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I could add that my dad is a di- type 1 diabetic as well. He was diagnosed seven years, eight years before me. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I was three when he was diagnosed. Do you know about how old he was at that time? Oh, he would have been, it was, it was actually on my parents' wedding night that from all the cake and booze and whatever, he got really sick and had to go into the hospital that night. Um, I'm going to say he was around 27, 28. No kidding. And is there any other like type one or autoimmune stuff in your family line? No. Well, my grandma on my dad, like my dad's mother mm-hmm. and her mother. So my great grandma, they both had thyroid issues a little bit. Like, I don't, that counts. they never really told me, mm-hmm. but what was up, but yeah, they had some thyroid issues. Okay. So then, yeah. So then there's something going on, but you're, so do you have you ever heard the story from your father like in hindsight did he think it was did he, can he see that it was coming on and he just the tipping oh, point was he there? thinks my dad thinks he was diabetic from the time he was a young child because he would get this he told me he would get this awful feeling and he would just need to run around and you know burn off what he figures would burn off the sugar and he was always sick my grandma was constantly taking him to the hospital. Um, even a couple years before, he would get so sick he couldn't move hardly. He'd go to the hospital, nothing, nothing. And I don't remember. Oh, I guess it was just because he was the doctor figures because he would go home after work and he always would drink uh, rum and Coke. And the doctor figures that rum and Coke kind of would balance him out at the end of the day. I don't know, Ashton, if rum and Coke fix type 1 diabetes, then don't you think? Everybody- no, well, no, I know, but like for the months up leading up to his in the, diagnosis. In the very beginning. Or, or, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a they, strange. I mean, listen, I, I'm not a doctor, but you can't stay alive for 20 some years with type one diabetes without insulin. So maybe he was having like, I mean, something sounds like it was definitely happening with his health for sure. And yeah, yeah. he, he doesn't think diabetes necessarily, but he thinks there was some autoimmune trigger that happened when he was younger and it just kind of snowballed, I guess. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's, it's odd and it's interesting for sure. Um, okay. So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to come on the show. Okay. I wanted to come on because I have some family members that are addicted to cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, my family, it, like we're all really close. My dad, his brother's two sons are my two cousins. We're the only three kids on that side of the family. So we were always really close. My mom watched 
my two cousins all the time and they were more like my brothers Mm -hmm. and one of them got addicted to cocaine at 16 years old i believe okay so how long ago now would that that would have been about 15 years ago okay and so we struggled with him and my dad's cousin he's closer to me and my cousin age the one who was addicted to cocaine and he was also addicted so i had two cousins that are addicted so we were dealing with that constantly worried about them and now my we're not married but i call him my husband his brother who i have known for 20 years close or close to it mm-hmm. has he is addicted to cocaine as well and it's just we find it pretty hard dealing with it because it's like my brother and then my brother-in-law being addicted too. It's a lot of people that you care about. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we have our daughter, I have no siblings. And so, and his little brother are my two siblings Mm -hmm. basically. And then Tom only my, my husband, Tom only has, his brothers. Ashton, let, and, me, let me say something before we keep going. You probably yep. shouldn't say other people's names. Oh, sorry. No, don't worry about it. Don't. I'm just so I'm going to go back later and I'll remove his name. But like, okay. But moving forward, my cousin. Yeah. My brother-in-law. My. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Don't be sorry. Um, so now with our daughter having our daughter here. We wanted them to have, we wanted her to have her uncles. Mm-hmm. And we were all, we're both my husband and my families, we're all really tight knit families. So it meant a lot of a lot to us that our daughter was going to have her uncles. Yeah. And they just really haven't been a big part of her life or anything. But relating that to the diabetes, So we say, get a call from my brother-in-law and he's finds some reason to get mad at you. And then he will not leave you alone. And he'll just go on and on and take deep digs at you. And it shoots my blood sugar right up. As soon as I see that he called me or texted me and he wasn't in a good mind mindset Mm -hmm. and my blood sugar would shoot straight up and i think that's half of my roller coaster too is i get a message from my cousin or my brother-in-law and i know that they're in a bad way my blood sugar shoots straight up so i take insulin to try and bring it down and everything but it just i'll come down and then he'll say something that'll piss me off and I'll shoot right back up. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option 
that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. How would you like to know what your blood sugar is without poking a hole in your finger? You can with the Dexcom G6 or G7 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System, which is available at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Not only does Dexcom offer zero finger sticks, but you can get your glucose readings right on your smart device. That's your iPhone or your Android. Don't have a phone? That's okay. You can use Dexcom's receiver. On any of these devices, you're able to set up customizable alerts and alarms, setting your optimal range so that you'll get notified when your glucose levels go too high or too low. And you can share this data with up to 10 followers. Imagine what that could look like. Your child could be at school, and their data could be available to you, your spouse, their aunt, the school nurse, anyone who you choose. My daughter's been wearing a Dexcom forever, and it helps us in multiple ways. Around meals, we're able to see if our boluses are well-timed and well-measured. If they aren't, we can tell by how her blood sugar reacts, and then go back the next time and make an adjustment. Without the Dexcom CGM, we're sort of flying blind, but not just at meals, also during activity and sleep. The Dexcom offers us an unprecedented level of comfort and security. Being able to see my daughter's blood sugars in real time, and not just the number, but the speed and direction, is an absolute game changer if you're using insulin. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Head over there today to see if you're eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. The Dexcom is at the center of how we've been able to keep our daughter's A1C between 5.2 and 6.2 for over seven years. We've been able to minimize variability and keep her blood sugars in a stable range because of the information that we can see with the Dexcom. These are our results and yours may vary, but using Dexcom's feedback has helped my daughter, without any food restrictions, live a more normal and healthy life. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Is it a mixture of anger and sadness and adrenaline or... I I think it's ang I think yes I think it's all three of those things because okay. I I don't know I get so worked up I will start just shaking and like ready to punch a wall almost. Tell me, tell me. I mean, what what is it about? I mean, obviously, ugh, let me start my thought over. Obviously, that's upsetting, right? Like you have loved ones that are struggling with something, it's upsetting, but. They're not you, and they're not your they're not your husband, and they're not your kid. So when I want to understand like what happens when you are kind of faced with their problem, is it like what happens inside of you that you care so much that it's affecting you like that? i I don't know. I think it's just the fact that I grew up with them all, and I know I know them as people the people they are not the addict. Mm -hmm. I know who they can be. 
without the addiction. And I think that is part of what works me up and the fact that I can't do anything. Okay. So uh, a feeling of helplessness and, and then that feeling that, that they're wasting their life or, and, and then you feel badly about that, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and another reason I feel so badly about it is because when I was in end of high school there, I was about 17 the first time I tried cocaine Mm -hmm. and I had done it on and off for four or five years. And I never really got the addiction to it. I mean, I, I would go out and do it for fun and whatever, but I could go months without doing it. And then they do it a couple times and they get addicted. And I'm also very upset with myself because I remember both of them would say, don't tell my girlfriend you saw me today. Don't tell me, don't tell them I was here. Don't tell them this. And I just kept my mouth shut because they, the girlfriends didn't ask me anything. Did that- so I just kept my mouth shut and kind of almost protected them. Mm-hmm. Do you feel bad really- about that now? Yes. Yeah. It really bothers me now that I, I feel like for, 10 years, I basically lied for them. I see. And now, and now their situation is so bad off that you almost feel like you're a party to it. Yes. And I mean, I'm not in my auntie and uncle situation or my father-in-law's situation, or I'm not the, like, I'm not my husband's situation where it's his brother Mm -hmm. or, and or sorry, my cousin is like my brother. So that really gets to me. And then br- my cousin's little brother has also started to oh dabble in, what, what is in going on? In, what is going on in Alberta? It, when they say it's, it's snow, bad. when they say <laughs> when they say it's snowing there, I thought they meant like, you know. <laughs> both both. <laughs> Yeah. My goodness. So, um, tell me a little bit about everybody's background. Like, just generally speaking, is it is this a um, does it start as a party thing? Does it go from drinking to cocaine, and then some people yeah. grabs hold of close uh, harder I than would others? say, I would say it's a party thing, but my cousin. So, in my family there is addictions all over the place, mostly alcohol, but there's cigarettes and drugs and sorry, my cousin had a learning disability. Okay. And his dad was pretty hard on him growing up. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that was his way of get escaping from his father and how hard his dad was on him growing up. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. My dad and my uncle lost their brother when 
my cousin who is addicted to drugs has, when he was born, um, my father and uncle lost their brother due to, I don't know the story, but I hear he was murdered by bad people. Do you think that was drug related as well? See, I don't know because from what my dad has told me, my uncle was a thief. He just stole stuff just because he got off on it. Okay. And so it's hard to say if it was he stole from the wrong person or it was drug related or they don't really talk about it. I think it hurts them quite a bit to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And we, me and my cousins, we do ask once in a while, but we don't pry about it. So is this, I don't, well, is it systemic through your family? Is it systemic through the area? Like we, like we have conversations like this. There's obviously other, other after dark episodes, people come on and talk about, you know, heroin and they're like, Oh, where I live, it's everywhere. Like they talk about that. And so, I mean, is like, I guess, where do I start? Like these people you're talking about, do they work? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everyone goes to work and. Uh, my cousin, he, uh, he just went back to work. He's actually been sober for two and a half, three months now. Good for him. Um, so he just went back to work, but he got to the point where he had lost his job and was sitting at home for months and got depressed. And, um, he is best friends with my brother-in-law too. And my brother-in-law got really bad. He would do the drugs and hallucinate and telling us his girlfriend was fake. And I don't know what happened. I haven't had a chance to talk to either of them about it. Mm -hmm. But something happened where my brother-in-law had a freak out. And that's what caused my cousin to start decide he needed to get sober. So something happened so crazy that one of them was like, oh, I'm done with this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and my husband and brother-in-law, they lost their mother when they were 10 and 12. Okay. So I don't know if that's where my brother-in-law's problems stem from. I think he didn't deal with it the same way my husband did. Mm-hmm. Can I, and is there a, it's a, a lot of poverty or no, I, or, or do you call I it? Wouldn't, how do you think of, how do you think of these people? Do you think of them as uh middle-class? Do you think of them as, you know, middle-class they're, yeah, they're, sure. so they're middle, middle-class people are making a, a reasonable living. Like do they own a home as an example? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, my brother-in-law, he owns a home in the, so we live out in the country. Mm-hmm. He owns a home in the town close to us. But he was lately he's been struggling with bills and everything. So he actually got the opportunity to rent his house out and he moved back out here with uh his dad, mm-hmm. my father-in-law. Is this- pardon? Go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say uh, I think like we everyone makes decent money. Like, yes, hard times right now. Mm-hmm. 
but everyone has enough to live and it it just goes around our area it's just stupid like i could walk down the street and probably point out seven people who i've seen do cocaine if Ashton, if if i looked at them would i know like just looking could i make a snap judgment or or is it kind of hidden um with my cousin it is hidden with my brother-in-law it's fairly hidden but you can tell when he's been you know he went and partied all night last night by looking at him you could just tell his eyes are just huge but droopy and his face just will look gray and just basically like death okay um I don't want to know where they work, but what kind of work, the, the people in your area, like what kind of work is done in that area, I guess? A lot of oil field. Okay. Um, Like my husband is an equipment operator building the leases and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, My brother-in-law is an equipment operator. My cousin is an equipment operator. Um, Mostly working in oil field, but they do some uh for farmers and stuff and they do reclamation where they put everything back to the way it was before they started working there okay hard work long hours outdoors that kind of stuff yeah uh i would say 14 hour days minimum okay Mo- most days yeah. not every day but most is it the, is it the kind of job where back in the day Decades ago, it was like, we go to work, then we go to the bar kind of thing? Yes. Okay. And now yeah, we're going I to the bar, we're so. drinking, but we're also doing coke. Yeah. Okay. And and so tell me, if you don't mind, you said you did it as well when you were younger. So yeah. tell me the attraction for you back then. Honestly, for me, it was... Just the fact that, you know, once I was feeling drunk, I could do a a bump and I would have my shit together again. Wouldn't feel so drunk that I needed to go to sleep. So that you could Um, keep drinking? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Okay. Do you consider yourself an alcoholic? Um, I used to. When I was, you know... From the time I was 18 till I was 21, I would say probably three, four times a week I would have a drink. Blackout drinking or just? No, no, no. no. I, I've actually only been blackout drunk once in my life and never again. <laughs> what What do you think at that early age? I mean, listen, this isn't like. You're obviously not the first teenager to drink, right? But yeah, what do you think happens? Well, and where I am, 18 is the legal age. Oh, okay. But what yeah. what drives you to it? Is it boredom? Is it fitting in? Is it about, like, a loosening of your attitude? Like, do you know, do you, can you even know, even looking back? I would say, um, you know, socially. As kids, we'd all, oh, let's go out to the bush and start a fire and have some drinks. 
and boredom. Like you say, boredom. There's we're in northern Alberta. Um, like, of course, we can do. There's tons of things to do, but everything seems to cost so much. Mm-hmm. So to to us as kids, going and buying, you know, a case of beer and going out and having a fire with all your friends in the bush was it was just it's a thing that has like my parents did it as kids it's just this stuff's how all it just is like, around here yeah like local tradition almost yeah yeah and it builds on itself then like yeah me- meaning that um meaning that like you your your family does it and then somebody brings it up and then it happens again, and then your kids do it, and it doesn't seem that wrong to your parents because they did it. Because even when you're talking about it, you're, I don't know if you know this, but it, it's interesting. You're incredibly upset about what's happened to the people in your life, and you also feel a little responsible. And at the same time, when you speak about it, like the act of using or drinking or anything, there's no contempt in your voice at all. Like you... The, you I think that there's, it sounds to me like there was, there's a wish that like, wouldn't it be great if there was a way that we could drink and do some Coke, but it wouldn't ruin anybody's life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Am I wrong or do I have that? (laughs) Well, not the Coke part, but I wish, I don't know. I'm not much of a drinker anymore. Okay. Since I, since I have my daughter, I think I've, probably had 10 drinks in total in 19 months Mm -hmm. and so i don't i'm really scared to be hung over with a toddler too so that's part of the reason but i just i don't know i wish because i know a lot of people who they can't just go sit down at supper and have one drink okay it's it's you got if they'll they have they drink to get drunk they get drunk they drink to get wasted basically and there's so many people around my area that are like that and i wish it was different i wish we could go sit down for supper and just you know have one drink with our friends and go home but usually that ends up you know you have two or three you're feeling good at supper well let's go find something to do afterwards mm-hmm. And I just, I guess I wish the people around me could understand that a sober life has been so much more rewarding. Yeah. And, and easy. I, my brother-in-law and my cousin, I can't imagine waking up every morning feeling that complete regret and just feeling disgusting every day but then doing it again yeah and doing it again and again because that's what you know exactly right right. and see it's interesting to me like when you say like well it fills the time or people drink to excess or whatever and this is just what we do like while you're saying that well any but it wouldn't matter if it was you if anybody said that i start thinking of all of the other things that I enjoy doing or the things that I wish I had time to do that I don't even have time to do. And it would never like in, in a million years, it wouldn't occur to me to drink and get drunk 
so that I couldn't exist. Like I'm, but, but that's me, right? So for other people, it's, it's completely opposite. And, and you do wonder how many little things stack up before you don't have a chance to have bigger dreams or other ideas. Like what, you know, your parents are hard on you. You, you live in a depressed area. You know, you're growing up to work in an oil field. Like, like that kind of, like, not that there's anything wrong with working in an oil field, but there doesn't feel like there's any other possibility. You're not like, well, yeah. I might, I, maybe I'll work in this oil field if I want to, or maybe I'll do these things. And it's just this feeling of like, this is it. Like, I'm here to do this, drink, I'll make a baby, that baby will grow up, work in this oil field, drink, and like, this is what we do. It's not true, by the way. But you No, know, yeah, but, but I know what you, you're it's saying. It's how you feel, though, you know? Yeah, and I don't, like, for my brother-in-law, he lost his mom at a very young age, Mm -hmm. and his aunties and everyone stepped up, but he's never really had that person to go to to talk about things like, am I stuck in the oil field? Um, Well, that's the problem. Even, Even if you had somebody to talk to... They're so isolated in this bubble that, like, you ever heard the saying that, like, you don't, I don't know if it's a saying or not, but you can't imagine things you don't know about. Yes. Right? So so somebody has to be there. There has to be some example for you to say, oh, well, I guess I could go do this as well. That's an actual thing that exists. Um, You know, my son just graduated from college and he's been going around and meeting with people and having conversations with people who work in different like industries so that he can even understand how his degree applies to the world. So he's got a degree and he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And so if you know what I mean, if you, yeah. yeah. So if you live in like a rural area where the business is pretty specific I don't know how you're supposed to imagine what's happening right now in, I don't know, Billings, Montana, or Atlantic City, New Jersey, or what people do for a living in Miami, or Austin. Like, how do you imagine that if you don't know somebody that can explain it to you, and you don't know anybody who's ever gotten the hell out and gone and done one of those things? So there's no storytelling that to help you along. I guess that's, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just talking. So. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? It does, yes. Because the other thing around this area that I have noticed, and I'm guilty of it too, uh, the friends we grew up with are kind of the ones you stick with. Yeah. Most of our lives. Like, I mean, I of course, I've even in the last year or two, I've gained friends from different towns and stuff. But we all went to the same high school we all live within 30 40 kilometers of each other and we just and that's the one thing that we've been trying to tell my brother-in-law you need to get away from these people you need to find someone else like we've offered her many times you know come out with us we'll go for a quad ride out back or like just come hang out with us instead of with these same people all the time. Yeah. And, or, you know, even my girlfriend, she 
she's got really bad anxiety and is having trouble making friends with, and she just had a baby and she's having trouble making friends. So while we tell her, I tell her, well, let's go to this play group that they're holding out here and maybe we can meet some people out there or it's kind of the same with my brother-in-law and my cousin trying to tell them like there is more than just these 10 people out here. Yeah. And then you can, you can kind of have that feeling like, well, I don't want to go meet those people. Those people are dorks or whatever. Like they don't, they're not cool. Like I am, or they don't, they're not interested in the things I'm in. But I think that those attitudes are probably mostly just you people protecting themselves. Well, I think what they really think is I don't want to, I don't want to drag my coked up ass to this play group. You know what I mean? And like, and, oh, yeah. and have all these people judge me and you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that kind of, when you when you isolate yourself like that, you can isolate yourself for reasons you tell yourself, but there's probably other reasons you're actually doing it as well. And and so so you kind of find yourself in your in your circle. You, I guess you kind of process through it already. Like you did it when you were younger. You're not doing it now. You have a family. You're like building, and you're like, hey, like everybody, like come over here with me, where there doesn't have to be craziness, and we can yeah. just live but you can't get them to kind of jump on the other side of the fence with you. Yeah, it's, and I think that might be half of why I get so worked up and so upset about the situation Mm -hmm. is because I would have been in the same position as them. Yeah. I would have been right there with them, but I found this amazing guy. I, started looking after my blood sugars like I went into DK over 10 times in my life um I've went I've been in a coma I've had my shins drilled through in order to get an IV into me oh wow and when I was about 22 years old I puked for so long that my stomach lining came up this is all from like DKA and not ma- not not taking care of yourself. Not managing the yeah. stomach lining where I brought that a little bit of that up. That was actually from cocaine. Okay. I went out with my cousin and I did some. I I actually probably did more than I normally would have done. And I came home at midnight and I puked until about eight in the morning. And I told, I called my boyfriend to come get me. He brought me to the hospital and I ended up being in there for a week. And he came to see me every day after work. He'd come sit with me in the hospital until he had to go home to bed. And I think that's what made, made it click was He's not out there doing drugs. Why did I just go do this? And now I'm putting him through seeing me this ill in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, and- what's interesting to me is <clears throat> like the, the description. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I did a bunch of Coke before. I'm just kidding. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no. <laughs> uh, what is interesting to me is that is that I mean that description of like the vomiting, right? As an example, or other things that you know, drinking, 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 being so sick afterwards. 
if I said to you, uh, across the street from your house is a lot of fun, but everybody in the house has the flu. And when you leave, you're going to have the flu for six days. Would you say, eh, I'm not going there if I'm going to get the flu? Yeah. Yeah. But if I said to you like, Hey, next door, there's a bunch of Coke and booze and you're going to be incredibly sick afterwards, but it'll be a lot of fun. You'd go, all right, well, let's do that. That's so funny to me. Like, it, because the, the end result is, is feeling poorly and, for so that so there's some other aspect to it, right? There's some, you know, I don't know if it's um, addiction or 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 what the other aspect of it is. I mean, I imagine it's probably addiction, but somehow you like you had such a bad experience, you broke free of it, but now you're saddled with. I don't know if you realize it or not. You have survivor's guilt, like you got out. Aww. You know, I've never actually thought of it like that. Yeah, you got away from it. And now you feel responsible and guilty that you can't get everyone else out of it. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, I've never thought of it like that. But no, you're 100% right. Mm. You know, the problem um, with that is, is, you know what the answer to that is, and it's tough, is that you can't help those people. They have yeah. to have their own experience. <laughs> They have to have their own vomiting, their stomach lining up experience to, or something that's going to snap them out of it. And the truth is, is those things may not come together. Honestly, you could have had your stomach lining experience and not had your boyfriend and you might not have continued snapped. on. Yeah, you might not have snapped out of it. Like it might have just been a confluence of different things in your life that you were able to kind of stop and see all at once. And then those impacts of all those things together were stronger than your desire to party. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like your moment of clarity might not come to everybody and you certainly can't make them have it. No. And I've actually been getting better with realizing that lately. You know, if my brother-in-law sends me a text and this, I know when there's something up, he will just text me and all he'll say is Ashton. In the text. So then I'll just immediately say, what, what do you need? What do you want? And then he'll go off and I'll say, well, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I'll just, if I have to, I'll put my phone in another room and let him phone, let him text and just kind of ignore it. And my cousin isn't so bad that way. He knows, he knows what I've gone through my whole life. And I think deep down, he doesn't want to bother me with his problems. And, but my brother-in-law, he, I'm, he talks, he'll go through everyone. He will call everyone he can think of to go through the same circle about my life. Shit, I'm done doing this. I'm done doing drugs. I need to get my life back I need to get my girlfriend back I need to do this and about every week or two weeks it was the same thing over and over again and I had to get to the point where I just said you know what I'm sorry you know what you do this all yourself like I can't be there to help you all I can tell you is we don't like you we we love we love you, but we don't love the addict. Do you do you and, ever consider telling them that they need to get help, like, or you not or you're not interested in talking to them again? 
Like, oh no, we taught, he lives. So my father-in-law lives through the bush. Like two, it's a two minute walk through the bush to my father-in-law's house. And my brother-in-law is now staying at my father-in-law's. So on his good days, we just don't bring it up. We let him have his good day, but on his bad days, I will tell him like, get out of my yard or, you know, I can't deal with this today. I've got my daughter to deal with. I'm having a bad blood sugar day, whatever. And he is usually pretty good with backing off when you mm-hmm. tell him you, you need the space. It's hard. To but, hear. It's hard to hear, but it, it that that's sort of a problem. Like you, you see to the level that they can't handle it, right? You can't handle it either. It, it's not it's not a thing any one person can just sort of shoulder and make go away. It's not like it's not like if he could throw his problems onto you, he'd suddenly stop doing coke. He'd just be more unencumbered and be like, "Well, now I can really party because I'm not worried about all the other problems." It's not like yeah. like like that that conversation that those people have with you about, "Oh, I'm gonna stop and this is gonna happen." It's all, I mean, it's 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 bullshit. It just—it's it, not really. They might want it to happen, but it's not going to. It's no different than when someone comes to you and says, "That's it for me. I'm done. I'm on a diet." You're like, "All right, like, yeah, I'll see it when I believe." Yeah, you told it. me that. I'll yeah, I heard that. I heard I that six it. months ago. Like, like, right. So it's a, it's a, it's a human. They're caught in a loop, and and it's it is a pretty human thing. I think that's why AA exists, and um, and and similar programs for drugs. And why people go to rehab and things like that. Like, do you think that, I mean, is there locally supported rehab that they could go to? Oh, yes. We have. So it sounds like that might cousin, be a main business where you're at. Like, there's, like, oh, yeah. There's a Walmart well, and a know. rehab next to it, right? <laughs> I don't know why there's not more around yeah. here, okay. honestly, because we are like, from just from the experiences in the last year that we've had with them, it seems like they are just overrun with people. Okay. And my cousin, uh, my auntie and uncle actually paid for rehab twice for him. Hmm. And each time, the first time he didn't even make it there. The second time he got outside and decided, no, I can do this myself. I'm done. I'm not going. And that's the other thing. They need to want to go. Yeah, right. My my brother-in-law, we've had him in at Deep Talks twice now. And someone goes and picks him up. We don't know who this person is because he will tell us, I need you to drive me so my truck isn't there so I can't leave. So... You know, my father-in-law or my cousin took him in, brought him there. And all of a sudden, two days later, he's out and he's got his truck again. And we ask him who picked him up and he won't tell us. He says a friend. That's all he says is a friend. And so he's just not quite ready, I guess, to take to do the work. That can't matter to you, though. You know what I mean? Like that, it can't be your problem. If, if yeah, you know, if this was your kid or your or your kid's father, then okay. Then you have like a. It, it's. I mean, it's a tough thing to say, but there there are points in life when if, if a family member is dragging you down, 
you know, you're, I don't know if you've ever, um, um, sometimes people drown and the people that go to save them get pulled under by them. Yeah. There's a panic that happens during drowning and they can't stop and they end up drowning both people. And this sounds so much like that. Just like they're in a situation that is so terrible and they just, like they're going to pull you back into it. Like that's my fear as you're talking actually. Is that is well, that you're going to send me an email in a year and say, "Oh god, I did coke and I'm not taking care of my baby and I just I went to help my friend or something and then everyone was there and like you know what I mean? Like it's it, if I was you, I don't know your situation, I would pack up and leave. I really <laughs> I really would. I I'd, I'd move I'd move somewhere else. Well, I would if I didn't have such a great support system where I'm at because yes, I do have those two possible and the third one was dabbling a little bit, but Mm -hmm. he's not, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's addicted yet. And like you say, I can't do anything about it. It's his life. And I've come to that point now where if they call or Someone tells me, oh, yeah, your cousin had a slip up or whatever. I'm just like, okay, like I'm upset about it for five, ten minutes and then it's done with because Can I- my grandma was on, actually the one who told my grandma was actually the one who told me because I one day was having a really hard time dealing with that with the fact that they were all addicted and I told my grandma everything. And she said, well, Ashton, you can't do anything about it. You're, you're just going to worry yourself twice for no, for no reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have this baby and you have your own thing. You have diabetes. And, I mean, listen, of all the things that somebody's ever written to me about, um, like, why I want to be on the show, you're like, well, I'm, I have diabetes and, I'm, and I love people who are, have addiction problems and it's hard. And it's just, while you're talking, the one thing that occurs to me is that because you are a person who grew up in that bubble and you've been through it, like your description of using like alcohol and and Coke as a younger person was disturbing to me. You were like, hey, I just drank and then you just did some Coke so you could keep drinking. Like, I, I, I it's not a judgment at all. I just want you to understand that from my perspective, that's insane oh i completely (laughs) agree with you now that i'm in a good headspace and but but what i'm saying is that when you're evaluating other people in your life there is a section of you that just sees that as partying like there's a like there's a part of you that at some point thought that made sense and i wonder if that part of you keeps you from assessing what's happening to other people completely honestly because then you'd be assessing yourself like when you look yeah. at them and they are a disaster, I don't know if you can say that to yourself because then you're kind of saying, oh God, I used to be a disaster. I don't know. Like maybe you can, but I, I just wonder if like, I don't know, sometimes like almost like I'm the worst person to ask about what's in the podcast because I'm too close to it. Like there are people that help moderate the Facebook page who if you said to yeah. them like, oh, I'm looking for an episode about this, they'd be like, bang, that's this one. If you asked me that, I'd go... I mean, I remember having a conversation about that, but I don't know. 
And so I, I wonder if like, because this is a world you live through, if you're not a little incapable of judging it as honestly as it needs to be judged. Like, well, you, you know and I mean? you're completely right there until I would say the last three, four months I was talking we, me and my husband were talking about the two boys that are having their trouble. Mm-hmm. And I just said to Tom, like, that was me eight years ago. Yeah. I, I would have been there. I would have been right where they are with nothing. Like I, I shouldn't say nothing because they do still have their vehicles and their houses, but they are barely scraping by to pay for those. And I said to Tom, I wouldn't have this beautiful child that I have. We actually just built an acreage on his dad's land. Mm. We've been in the house for a year now. And I said, like, look at all of this. Look what I have. And if this was eight years ago, I couldn't even imagine any of this. Right. I thought I thought I was going to be going down that same path and but the last few months I've really looked back on how I was and how grow, growing up was um or not growing up but like the teen years. That whole process. Part, yeah. yeah. And I, like I I always wonder would it be different if, you know, I went to a different school? Or if I went to, you know, the neighboring town or if anything would have been different. And I like I always that's always in the back of my head is, am I protecting these two boys because I don't want everyone to look at me and judge me about what I used to do? Right. Yeah, that's why I said move. Like you need a fresh start. I know you can't. It sounds like you have property and places and stuff like that, but it's just it, 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 one of those guys that you're talking about. If the day they were born, someone would have scooped them up and taken them to Maryland and left them on the front doorstep of some lovely people who don't drink and then do coke to revigorate themselves, they would 100% be a different person right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, I I completely agree. Yeah. And like I said, if I didn't have the support I do, I mean, my parents are here. My two grandparents are still alive. They're here. I understand. Uh, um, my father-in-law, his siblings, like we're all a very tight-knit family. And yeah. we've all been sticking it, sticking together through all of this. And... At this point, I feel like if I like if I would have moved probably ten years ago, that would have been perfect. But now at this point, if I were far away from the two boys, I don't know. I think I would just constantly be wondering where they are and what they're doing. And because every day I not every day, but probably three times a week. If I haven't heard from either of those boys, I will, you know, text them and just be like, hey, what's up? Or I will ask my husband, hey, have you talked to your brother lately? Or whatever, just because 
I don't know. I guess. Well, what are you telling me, Ashton? Are you telling me that because that was your past, you don't have a future? No. Then, no. Yeah. Then, no. That's yeah, a- yeah, yeah. You have to let go of it. Like that's the only answer. It sucks. Like, uh, listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm a person, but I'm listening to you. And I've met. Listen, I have a an acquaintance who grew up with insane parents. Okay, like really controlling odd, insane people, and it was ruining their life. And then one day they just went to their mother and said, I love you, but you're dragging me down with you, and we're not going to speak anymore. And then they just didn't do it, and their life righted itself. Like, it, it, yes, it was her mother, and that made it really difficult, but but that that person was a chain with a weight on it around her neck. And she yeah. just and she, and it turned out the chain had a latch on it. She just she wasn't being drugged down by something she couldn't get off. She she just didn't want to get rid of it because it was her mom. And then yeah. she did. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that this woman's just flitting around the world going like I don't talk to my mom anymore. And that doesn't matter to me. That is a source of trouble for her, but it is not as much trouble as the mother was. And like I know yeah. you're going to feel badly, but but what I keep wondering is is are are you guys all so local to each other that you can't avoid them? That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we all live within 10, 15 minutes of each other. And we're in a really, really small town. Like, not, I don't even know how many people, probably 2,500. Okay. So not a ton of people and we all still have a lot of the same friends um like we have a friend who we hang out with but then we'll we'll hang out with him for months and months and it'll be fine and then all of a sudden he'll say oh i ran into we went and had a crazy night out yeah that's not gonna stop that's what I'm saying to you. But yeah. it, it, it's such a hard thing to say out loud. It's not going to stop. It, it, no. It, you, know, you could, listen, my wife leaves her shoes on the floor. She's bad about it. If <laughs> I really put my mind to it, I don't know if I could get her to stop doing it. And that's not drinking and cocaine. <laughs> so, yeah. like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's not an addiction she has. It isn't a crutch about her life. It isn't it isn't a bunch of pain manifesting itself in an activity. It's that she's she she has a, a habit. And she would first of all have to listen to me when I said, Hey, listen, you leave your shoes in the middle of the floor. We're gonna stop doing that. She'd have to say, Okay, Scott, you know what? You're right. I'm gonna put some effort into that. Can you please remind me every time? And it would still be a process just to get a human being, an adult, to stop doing something that simple. My, yeah. I, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here, but you're not going to stop those people from being who they are. No. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I've really, like I said, the last few months, I've really come to realize that. And we have distanced ourselves as much as possible. My brother-in-law, like he came over, I think a week ago, he was in a good mindset and everything came over and plowed our driveway and that's the most I've seen him in probably in a few months. And like just 
I'm just trying my best to distance myself from them. Yeah. It's and so, and try it sucks not. Too. I feel bad for you when you're talking about it. Because I know you, like, lo- you love these people and this isn't what you want to do. Be- no, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not what I want to do. But for my family, my daughter, my sanity, my diabetes, I, I need to. Yeah. And my two cousins, like we have drifted apart tremendously since I had my daughter because of the, this reason. Sure. And same with uh, my husband and brother-in-law. They used to be best friends. And Tom has just distanced himself mm-hmm. because he just can't handle the fact that while he lost his mother and now they could possibly lose his brother. Okay. And so he's trying to... and. He he also realized his brother told him he was starving and needed groceries. So we lent him some money. And Tom said, I should have went to the grocery store and picked him up food and not given him money. Right, because he probably then, drank it or, or snorted it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then about a week after that, Tom said, you know what? No, he doesn't need anything from me. Even if he is starving, I'm not going to the grocery store and buying him food that he's like, I feel like that is enabling him. Right. And he's told his dad too, you need to stop um, lending him money to, you know, top up with his bills. Cause he's always, you know, $300 short on his bills or something like that. Yeah. I was going to say that um, there's a saying about lending people money, right? You don't lend people money; you just give it to them because you shouldn't expect it back. And yeah, and and the and the the bigger problem is that the first time you do it, all it really does is lead to the second time it has to happen, which leads to the fiftieth time where they're like, "Oh, I'm just fifty dollars short this month, or I'm this, or I'm that," because they are in a they're in a deficit, right? They have a need; doesn't matter that it's money. They have a need; yeah. they can't meet the need. You have probably you're not in, I'm not, I don't imagine you're sitting around with like, Oh, we just have all this extra money sitting around. I don't know what to do. with. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. and so just because you've got a tiny bit of savings or a couple of dollars in your pocket and can afford to hands and probably can't afford, but can get away with handing somebody $50 or a hundred dollars or something like that, or giving them food. It's never going to stop. Never, ever, ever, ever going to stop because then that no. becomes part of their, Hunting and get their hunting and gathering process. Like I have a job, that job makes money. I have costs. I have a home. I have a truck. I have clothing. I have food. I don't meet those costs every month, but it doesn't matter because Ashton's giving me money. Now you're part of it. You're their job now to go to them and and tell the sad story and go. I'm gonna stop. I really am. But right now I can't afford bread and my stomach. Like you know, like and then you're like, oh hell. And then you, that guilt gets to you. You give them that money. They're not giving it back to you. If they could, exactly. Know, right. And and moreover, they're going to come back to you and ask for it again. So whether it's money, something tangible like that, or food, or it's part of your, or if, or if it's more psychological, like where they come to you and they've fallen apart and now they need to dump their thing on you and then have you tell them it's okay, you're basically recharging them. They're stealing your, you have resources. And whether those resources are in your head or in your pocket, these people are, they're they're black holes that will you 
you can't fill them. That's exactly it. Yeah. Because he is my brother-in-law, same thing. He will come and he, well, I shouldn't say he will because this, he's been doing better too the last while, but bef- up until about a month and a half, two months ago, he would come to us and try and dump everything on us. And we would just say, well, uh, that's your fault. You caused this. You did this. You made the choice. And he would just dump it all on you. And yeah. he'd either get upset or he'd agree with you completely. And then, he, oh, well, I got to go. And then he'd just leave and he wouldn't go home that night. Yeah, let me. so let me or, ask you. What what do you in a perfect scenario? What would you want from these people? Honestly, I would just want for them to show up at you know the two three family dinners we have a, a year. I think that's all I really want is to you know have one or two good days with them once in a while. You see, that's for you. For yeah, them. And that, that's oh, what you for want. That, yeah, for them. What do you need them to do? I don't like if you, know. if I put you in charge of their life. If we took away their free will and I gave it to you, what would you make them do? I would make them quit the drugs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, get a job. Find or you know, get a job or go to school or. Find a hobby. Lots of the boys around, like my husband is leaving on a trip in a week to go snowmobiling at Revelstoke. Oh, that's a normal thing. They're not going to do normal stuff. But now, so now those things that you just asked the, that you would say, magic wand, make this person stop drinking, make them stop doing this. Are they going to do that? No. Okay. So then what's the, what's the answer for you? Because what I'm telling you is you're not in control of them. And you being a crutch for them is just going to ruin you. You have a baby. You can't give yeah. somebody money, okay? And you can't give them your time <laughs> or your energy. You don't want to be anxious. Listen, if they're driving your blood sugar up, I, I hate to I hate to talk like this, but if your blood sugar is bouncing all over the damn place, you can't be a good mom. And maybe 20 no. years from now, you're not going to be a healthy person because of that. And, and 20 years from now, when you're looking your 21-year-old child in the face, and you're like, well, I'm dying now. So good luck in this world because I spent my whole life giving away my resources to people who didn't appreciate it and who were probably not savable to begin with. So the so so what I'm saying is the answer is this. They have to go to rehab and go through that process. And it works for them or it doesn't. And I I would hope that it would, but that's the end of what you can do for them. You can tell them yeah. one time I can't speak to you again until you complete rehab. Do not call here. Don't text me. Don't come by. Don't ask me for anything. Don't come to any events. Go to rehab. Finish rehab. Come back to me. Show me a chip. And then we can start talking again. Because you're not, as much as this sucks to say, they're not, in, in a measurement of humanity, at the moment, they're not where you are. No. You know? And... Honestly, I've even the last I'd say week I've come to the realization that they probably never will be. Well, hopefully, they, they, hopefully they can be, but that can't be your problem. Yeah, yeah, no, right, exactly. And I'm 
I'm getting better at letting that go mm-hmm. and focusing on just my friends and family who are there and trying to just distance myself from them. I'm working on that. I just. So I don't know a ton about this, but I think it's possible that you should go to an Al-Anon meeting. See, and that's the other thing uh, my husband had mentioned to me. He, uh, because I had told my brother-in-law's girlfriend, I said, well, there is support meetings. Maybe you should go to that. And when we got home from visiting her, he said to me, maybe you should look into doing this because he said I would, but it's just my brother and I'm, I'm doing okay with it, with that. But you, it's your my brother, your two cousins, three and cousins. And you're struggling with it, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Listen, growing up with alcoholic parents or in an alcoholic like place is 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 impactful on people. Like it actually changes things. Like um, about your like. Let me see if I can think of one off the top of my head. Are you more comfortable when things are crazy? Like when when life looks good, does it make you feel like it can't possibly last? sometimes like like, i i'm more the last year i'm more content with calmness Mm -hmm. and basically nothingness so like no one's bothering me i'm good with that you are making real progress for yourself i i think i am it sounds like you are i mean listen i can only assess you on what you're saying right but you're making really good progress on your for yourself and i just i don't know i would treat I would treat them like they were the flu. And I'd be like, I don't want to be around that. I, I don't That's... want I don't want that getting on me. Now listen, here's the interesting thing. If if your brother in law came on the podcast, I wouldn't tell him, Hey, I hope people around you abandon you. I hope that everybody leaves you. I would tell him, here's what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. I, I wouldn't tell him, here's what you have to get your sister in law to do for you. Right. And so I, it's not without compassion that I'm saying these things to you. I'm talking to you about your specific situation and to defend you and your specific situation. You have to get the f- away from these people. Like, yeah. like, that's that. I mean, I, you know, it, it's, it's harsh and it's, it, it might sound cold, but it would only sound cold to somebody who doesn't know what this is, this reality is like, because this exact- is, yeah, right. These people yeah. are drowning and they are trying to pull you under with them. And honestly, if I myself didn't do the drugs and the drinking when I was younger, I think it might be easier for me. Oh, you'd be harsher. Yeah, because you wouldn't have any perspective for it. Exactly. I wouldn't have that. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Empathy. Like, yeah, empathy. I wouldn't have that same empathy. Your empathy is causing you to swim out 100 yards into the ocean and go, don't worry, I'll pull you back in. And the, yeah, tr- exactly. and the truth is, you're not qualified for that. So not at all. <laughs> yeah. So what's the answer? Tell me your because uh, we're 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 at the end here. We're, we're wrapping up. So tell me your tell me what the answer is to this. Like, what do you do next? I think my next shot, my next step is just let it be. If you know, if I am over at my father in law's and 
my brother-in-law is there and he's having a good day, I'll let him have that good day. I'll act like nothing's going on. But when he is in a bad spot, I just ignore him and leave and come home. I think is my best best action right step. now. It's a good step. Also, what it's going to teach you, my expectation is that at some point you're going to progress and grow to the point where you think, I don't even want to be around this one day a week. It, 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 exactly. You will, you will it, it'll, and, and that's where you have to kind of go to your, that's where you almost have to go to your father-in-law and say, look, I, I don't, I'm not asking you to choose between your children, but I hope you understand that I can't bring my baby here. Like, like we're doing a good job of building a good life for ourselves, and we can't keep coming back to this. And I feel badly that this is the situation with the boys or whatever, but I, yeah. we can't be around this. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. There are people in my family, in my extended family, people I love and care about greatly, who my children have never been in their car. And when it became obvious that we weren't allowing our kids in their car, and they said it to us, we responded by saying, yeah, I, I, I can't let you drive my kids anywhere. And, yeah. and you have to, you know, I'm sorry. And I know that's harsh, but we, but, and this is almost the same thing. Like, because it was hard to say to them, it was hard for them to hear. And yet I had something I cared about more than their feelings. Exactly. And right. we've had a, sort of similar situation as your car mm -hmm. thing um brother-in-law about six eight months ago asked if he could stay here because he wasn't waking up for his alarms for work in the morning he stayed here and he wasn't waking up to his alarm so my husband went and went down the hallway to wake him up and he poked him a couple times and said get up you're gonna be late for work sorry you're fine don't get, worry. Get I gave up, up on you. I gave up on work. you on that a while ago. I should. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so <laughs> it's okay. Bad. Don't worry. And um, he absolutely lost it. Started calling my husband right down to the ground. Um, went into the bathroom to have a shower and slammed the door. The bathroom was right beside my daughter's room. This is at five thirty in the morning. So. As soon as brother-in-law went out the door to go to work, I looked at my husband and I said, he's not staying here one more time. Yeah, he's not. Because he, he, wanted, wasn't, he wanted a mommy. He wanted somebody to help him get out of bed in the morning. Exactly. And then you didn't and act he, like his he mommy got mad at you. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't even high that night. No, he, he's emotionally <laughs> immature. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And... So after that, I said, not, he's not to be around Rory when he's acting like that. Good he's not you. coming to stay here again. Um, the other situation, his girlfriend got pregnant. Uh, she's about halfway along now. So Tom and I had the conversation. Well, if he projects this baby attitude onto his child, well, our child will not be hanging out with his child. Oh, oh if, Ashton, I don't, I'm going to break it to you. It's already too late for that. That kid's already doomed. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that, when it comes to that, that this, this person isn't fixing themselves before that kid becomes impressionable. That's, that's not, yeah, that's not how fixing that's yourself what my works. husband said yeah, too. Yeah. We're hoping that the, well, I don't know if their girlfriend, if it's his ex girlfriend or girlfriend, but I think she is going to stay living where she is without him and they're going to try and co-parent. I think, I don't know. It changes all the time. What their <laughs> that's plan not going to happen. I have some money. I'd like to bet on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and I don't mean to be make light of it. I, I it, no. It really is just there is a there is a giant force moving in a direction, and a new baby or a girlfriend or you helping somebody wake up in the morning is not enough to stop this tidal wave that is this person's life. Like it exactly. is going to crash down on the shore and destroy everything that it touches. And so exactly. you got to move like you got to get away from where it's going to happen. And um, it's hard. But and, and I, I get your I get the feeling, the overwhelming feeling of I can help. I can help. I can help. But I mean, that's the same feeling that a that a gambler has. They're like, oh, I'll hit this time. And then, you know, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And then you make bigger and bigger bets to try to, like, win back what you've lost. And then before you know it, it's you in a dark black space with nothing around you you've bet your shoes you're naked it's over and now you're done and then that taints your child's life exactly that's all we all know what to do here ashton it's just a question of whether or not you're going to do it yeah and i've i've been working on it, it i've sounds been like you trying have. it's pretty impressive harder and harder pretty, pretty impressive but... what you're doing seriously like like yeah I, I'm, I'm not kidding like it's not like you were like the the like the straight edge kid in the family, like you did the whole thing too. And then oh, like, yeah. pulled I, yourself out of I, it, you know? And that's the thing is my younger c- cousin, the one who is starting to dabble in the mm-hmm. cocaine, he was always the one who is straight edge. He started a company. He's got a company now. He, a small engines company, he he was always the one who said no. You know, he'd ask him for a ci- if he wants a cigarette. No, no, I'm good. Uh, you know, he'll have two drinks and go to bed. Mm-hmm. Or he was never really a party kid, and now he's getting drug into it, and that's a big worry for me. Because how can me go from how can I go from party girl, wild child to family woman and it was like I it didn't take me any work it was just I woke up one day and I decided I'm I'm done I don't want that I want a family I want a life with this guy I want and I just gave it up and I just it it worries me about my younger cousin quite a bit because he was such a good kid and he was always able to say no, and now he's dabbling too. So I've had to distance myself from him too. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's terrible. It, there's nothing, nothing positive it is. about it. But. And I, I have other, like I have my family and everything, but other than them, mm-hmm. those three. But it, it's getting hard, and I've found. Like I said, blood sugars with them up 
and down like they have been, it's so easy for me to get into that depressive mood where I'm bawling because I don't know where my brother-in-law or my cousins are or. Yeah. But if you didn't know where they were or anything about their life, you wouldn't be worried about them. So you have to do what's best for you. Exactly. And and, and I would stop thinking about it just like your blood sugar. Although I see you see it in your blood sugar, but really step back and see that what's really happening is that your emotions and your nervous system and everything about you is in turmoil for knowing these people. Do you know what that's I mean? That's exactly it. Yeah, that yeah. that is a great way to put it. Yeah, forget forget because... forget like forget focusing on your blood sugar or on one thing. It's peace. There's a peace that comes with life and and they're taking it from you or you're giving it to them, probably more specifically. I would say I'm giving it to them yeah, because stop, stop giving them your peace. I tell them all I tell myself all the time, ignore them, ignore them, ignore them and then they will you know, oh, hey, do you mind if we stop over for five minutes and visit Rory? Don't come here. Uh, Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we end up getting into a big conversation about, you know, the other, the the other thing is my brother-in-law and my cousin, they always come to us to bitch about each other. Okay. So that needs to stop too. Yeah. See, do you, I don't and know I've, if you I don't know if you noticed, but basically what what you're surrounded with is a lot of reasons why bad stuff happens. And exactly. it, and it all feels so normal to you that you almost say it like I don't know what the example here is. Like you almost say it like, "Oh, you know what happens? They come over here and then they have to sleep here, so I have to wake them up in the morning." You almost say it like, "You know what happens? Like some days you have to vacuum the rug." Like, it's not normal. Yeah. Like, you haven't, all these things that you're saying, they're not normal. But they seem normal to you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just how it's been the last it's probably your whole years life. around you. Well. Uh, what, what about the adults some, in your family who were doing the same thing 20 years ago? Like, yeah. You probably didn't see it happening. But these are probably just things that are repeating over and over again. And. That's a big thing my husband and I are working on is breaking that cycle. Yeah. Listen, you can break it in five seconds (laughs) because you're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a way to break it. You can be done with this right now. So it's, um, it's up to you, really. It's up to you about like the level in which you're going to separate. And yeah, I can't tell you for sure that you going to, that it's going to work, but I'll tell you, it's worth trying. It is at this point because, like I said, every day, if something will come up that reminds me of one of those boys, and that's what's on my mind for the next hour. Are they alive? Yeah. Did they make it through the night? Did And I need to distance myself from that. Yeah. What you should be worrying about is, how's my blood sugar? Is it stable? Am I going to live a good long time to raise my child and live with my person that I love and do the things that I want to do? Like that's really, yeah. that's really where your focus should be. It's on yourself and your family. And and you have to stop thinking of your cousin or a brother-in-law on the same level as you think about your child or your husband. It just it's that's just what it is. I I probably sound so callous today. No, no. 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 I 
Well, not to I you. I it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, but not to <laughs> you. But I'm thinking the people listening are probably like, Jesus, Scott, <laughs> be nice yeah. a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I mean, you've given people more than enough chances, and their situation is dire enough that expecting just you to be kind to them or give them fifty bucks or a loaf of bread and some milk and some other stuff, that that's not going to work. So no, you you have to do something that's going to work and protect yourself too. Because by the way. You said it early on in the show, and we never, it's got nothing to do with your direct story, but um, violence does follow drinking and drugs. Bad decisions and violence, and sometimes violence on purpose, and sometimes violence by mistake in the form of a car accident or something like that, or even a home accident. These are not things, you don't want to wake up tomorrow to hear that your husband had a car accident with somebody. And, And you know what I mean? Like, it's just... I don't know. I, I my, my brain might be overly simplistic, but I would just get away from that. I would I would never. And I'm not just talking out my ass. Like I've done it in my life. Like I've seen people. I'm like, oh, you were not dragging me down. I get one shot at this. I get. I got my kids, my wife, and my opportunity. I am absolutely not for somebody who doesn't want the help or can't accept the help. You can't force it on them. And so, and you, you just and can't. I've had a. It's been so easy for me to accept that with you know close friends of mine that I've that I grew up with. I can no problem just delete them out of my life. Yeah, just like that. I'm have no problem. Just these two boys, they. I yeah, don't they're know your albatross. Because, don't let them. Don't yeah. let them. Don't let them be your albatross. Like just. You got it. You absolutely. And I'm telling you that Al-Anon is not a bad answer. I think, I think really that would be how you'd, that, that would be a way where you could talk to other people who have been in the same situation and they could explain, you know, what happened to them. Because it's not my, you know, my child or my parents or my brother, my sibling that is addicted. They are farther away from me. But we've all grown up so close that I'm just having that hard time letting them go. And I think you're right. I think an Al-Anon meeting would probably, even just to go to one, I'm sure would make me feel so much lighter. I I, I even forget being lighter. You have to find a way to um, order or value yourself over their problems. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm sorry, Ashton. I actually, I have to get, I have a meeting coming up. Um, oh no! I, I sorry, to, no, I didn't realize. Don't be sorry. We, we, no, no, don't be sorry. We had a nice conversation. I love this. This is wonderful. Um, I um, I want you to know that I'll go back and edit it. I'll take everybody's names out. Okay, and, thank and, you. And, you know, <laughs> it's so bad. No, don't, don't, no, you're, you're fine. And um, and I appreciate you sharing this story. It's. I think it's more. I mean, listen, the salient details might be different. Maybe it's not cocaine and booze. Maybe it's you know other things. But there are plenty of people living with diabetes who who are impacted by the people around them in in negative ways. And I thought it was just really I mean, it wasn't a whole story like you couldn't have talked about it for an hour. But hearing you say my blood sugar is affected by people around me being shitheads and I don't know how to stop it. I think it's something a lot of people are going to um, are, are going to are, are find some commonality with while they're listening. It might not be oil fields and coke but there's something going on in people's lives that is doing the same thing to them so 
I really appreciate you yeah, spending the time talking. About that's kind of why I wanted to come on too, yeah. is just how family members or loved ones affect our care. Yeah. Our why don't we just lump care. them into one group and call them mother? How's that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> how the motherfuckers in our life are affecting my diabetes care. And why won't they? <laughs> and why won't they pull their head out of their ass so I can stop worrying about them? That's a long yeah. title. I'll have to. I'll have to pare that down to uh, <laughs> probably something like "After Dark Oil Drilling and Coke." But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good God. one. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. Please get yours at my link, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And of course, to today's guest, Ashton, for telling this incredible story. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. If you're looking for a community around your diabetes, check out the Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group that's absolutely free. I think it has like 37,000 members. It's incredibly active, very helpful, and it doesn't matter if you have Type 1, Type 2, or whatever. There's every kind of diabetic and person using insulin and parent of somebody uh, you can imagine in there. It's a great group. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, absolutely free on Facebook. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. And please subscribe or follow in an audio app like Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, or something like that.